you dumb, beautiful fucker. Who wants to be in America's slash fit with Abraham Lincoln? Louisiana Purchase, that's a name. You need to really get off my balls, okay? I'm gonna kick your ass. Also, why was Michelangelo so stinky? Ew. episode 220 of the all get here podcast and joining me today is my canonical co-host it's canon and it's just me this time <laughs> yeah it's just canon to myself today jonathan's on vacation much deserved vacation That's deserved uh, they work hard for the money oh yes wenzel celebrating their birthday and happy we, birthday wenzel and we gave colt the week off yeah you know what, Colt, you can have yourself a good old vacation, too. Yeah, he's, he's got plenty of uh, manga to catch up on, because he's been buying a lot, and he's been reading a lot. Also, a lot of what? A lot of what to catch up oh, on? Oh, you mean mangoes? Oh, manga? Okay, yeah, I was just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> and just as well, because um, before we were getting ready to set up, Colt texted me and said uh, the power went out of this place, so that oh, would have been now? bad if we were recording and then just a third of the show just disappeared, and we may not have realized it for some time. I mean, as unfortunate as someone's power going out, it I, I, I guess it's a good thing that we weren't recording when that happened with him on the horn, and we would have had, yeah, you're right, no idea for like, like, Cole, have you been, what, what, where, are you there? It's been like 35 minutes, we haven't heard shit from Cole. You know, he's been real quiet, and he's a quiet <laughs> guy to begin with, and then he's just like, like oh, he's been gone for an hour, and we're just... <laughs> to salvage that wreck of an episode. But, <laughs> but no, that didn't happen. So it's just me and Cannon hanging out today. Our very first time of, of this matchup happening. Yeah. It's like, I just, you know, consider it's just going to be business as usual because we are roommates and it, we just have mics in front of our face this time. Yeah, because there's only been like really a couple other es- episodes in the show's history where it's just been like two folks. There's one episode where me and Wenzel did fan casting and another episode years ago when Tanner and I reviewed um, NXT TakeOver and WrestleMania. It was like 2017, 2018. Ah, that had to have been one of the gatherings then, right? Yeah, back uh, back in the day at our, at my and Jonathan's old apartment, um, we would have NXT TakeOver parties and we would just raise ruckus. It, it, would, it was some of the wildest times ever. Some of the best times ever. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. You, you just uh, get a crew of friends together. For some of the and you know, NXT was still, I mean, I, I'm, I say it was still hot then because I'm not watching it now. I'm, I'm a little off the NXT radar now. But back then, man, it felt like anything can happen, and it did happen. Like we almost missed a fucking like major heel turn because we were taking shots in the kitchen at one point. No, yeah, was <laughs> was that when um. It's when Roddy joined the yeah Undisputed when Roddy era. joined the Undisputed era and like turned his back on Pete Dunne, and we were in the kitchen just getting ready to throw down another one. And then uh, I forgot who was in the living room screaming, like, oh, shit, oh, shit. And, and then, like, we're like, what, what? We all run down, and Roddy turned on the bruiser weight just like that. 
And then he was he was part of the Undisputed Era. R.I.P. <laughs> Undisputed R. I, Era. God, I, I mean, like I said, I haven't been watching it, but still, I keep up with you know things that happen in the world of wrestling, even if I don't watch that particular brand of wrestling. But you know, uh, me and Pat, we have much love and respect for the Undisputed Era. Mm-hmm. Like they were a hoot and a holler. They were a great team. They were pretty much the closest. Closest thing you'll get to, and and this is uh, uh, one of the reasons why I think the Undisputed Era worked as well as they did. They were pretty much just a newer, younger, cooler NWO. Yep, and like more athletic skills all around. Yep. All around, like they were all like king dingling in on the Indies. Like they were like Ring of Honors, where they like they were all Ring of Honor boys. Because I, I first found out about Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly watching Ring of Honor. Like, they, like Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, Red Dragon on the Indies. They were my first, like, one of my first favorite wrestlers when I started watching wrestling back in 2015. Locked onto them immediately. And then I got to meet them in person, like, gosh, 2016? Back when a buddy and I went to a Ring of Honor show in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. That was rad. And then... Kyle Riley has had like a long-standing indie feud in like relationship with Adam Cole, and then, for what I re- recall, they're ca- having like a, a little program to themselves right now in NXT. Oh yeah, I believe. Uh, I think last week it was either this week or last week they had what the Great American Bash. Mm-hmm. It was just like um, a special episode of NXT, and they had their second match or whatever. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, it's just, welcome to the wrestling cast, everyone, by the way. It's like, <laughs> honestly, I think, uh, I, I know I have been looking for an excuse to just bullshit about wrestling for a while. Grant, this isn't going to be the wrestling episode, you know, for those of you who don't give a shit about it. But, you know, me and Pat like wrestling. If it comes up from time to time, that's just how it's going to be, I suppose. I mean, I, I figure as many times as you've had, you've been on and, and like, on Cajun Greatness, too, like, there's definitely been some wrestling stuff that's been peppered in. But that, like, oh, yeah, always. We haven't really had, like, a time to really dedicate, like, a substantial amount of time to it. At least not in a really dedicated moment. Yeah. Because that's another cool thing about the Undisputed Era that I uh, kind of appreciate. Because, you know, I've been watching... Like, I I became like a week-to-week watcher of professional wrestling summer of 1998. That's like the, the like peak of the Monday Night Wars. Fucking NWO over here. DX over here. Blah, blah, blah. Stone Cold, Goldberg. It's just a ratings fucking... Bonanza. It was fantastic. Um, a lot of bad, too, but, you know, it was <laughs> also a lot of good there. But, you know, me, like, being, I like to consider myself, like, you know, a pretty big wrestling fan. I kind of, Almost slightly, I would, like, on a small scale, consider myself pro- probably a wrestling historian. Yeah. Because, like, you know, I even if it's, like, somebody that I don't know shit about, I'm just like, is, is it wrestling? Is it, I, I would like to know how this happened, how this person got come up. Thank you, Dark Side of the Ring, for, you know, just, like, giving us these fantastic documentaries that also want to make us cry sometimes. Yeah, like, really dramatizing <laughs> us, because, like, I'll never be fully over the Grizzly Smith episode. Oh, God. Jesus never, Christ. ever. But when Undisputed Era comes along, and you know more about these guys than I do, yeah. and I am I am the newbie at that point, and I'm watching, and I was just like, wow, these guys are fucking cool. They got they're really good wrestlers. They have rad ass like entrance uh, music. Thank you CFOs RIP. They're not dead. They just don't work they for they the don't WWE, work WWE anymore. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, yeah. I remember the night that they technically formed because it was. I think it might have been a takeover. 
because uh, I was over at friend of the show and the host of the spinoff show, Cajun Greatness, Justin's house. We were playing Pathfinder or just hanging out. They had it the takeover in the background, and then I was facing the way, and then like Jimmy says, "Hey, your boys are on TV." I was like, "What?" You see, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, they're they're in the ring, they're like messing shit up, and then I was like, "Oh shit, oh shit, my boys!" And then Adam Cole shows up, and then just like boom, like kickstarts everything, and then like they officially formed Undisputed Era. Yeah, I believe they attacked Drew McIntyre that night, if I remember correctly. <laughs> they definitely they interfered, and in, I, I you know my brain is mush and my memory is bad, but I know they interfered in like. Yeah, because I, I watched that one. Yeah, I, I don't remember where I was. Hell, for a second there, I thought we all saw that one together. To be honest, yeah. But if you said you were playing Pathfinder, I wasn't there. I've just now had my first excursion to Pathfinder, and I think that's something we'll get to later on. Oh yeah. <laughs> But, man, I just loved it. And uh, it was a highlight that we got to see um, them live a few years back in Tennessee. Oh, man. Um, The whole crew that time. Because my my very first wrestling show was um, uh, an an NXT house show three or four years ago now. Yeah, it's been about at least three years. And uh, and, it, and that was in Birmingham, and you know, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly were there. They were the NXT champs at the time. That was you know, fucking cool. I got to see Alistair Blackwell, <laughs> then known as Alistair Black, FKA wrestled in. Alistair Black, <laughs> and and uh, with a fucking stellar match against Buddy Murphy. Just mm, you can't give a bigger chef's kiss for something like that. It was phenomenal. I got to see that with my face, and it was great. And then um and then again when uh, you. Uh, myself and Liz got to go see uh, NXT in Mississippi. That's the whole fucking crew was there, and yeah. it was awesome. So, like, just to see like your favorites like live and in person, just like right there, it's like it, nothing beats that feeling. Yeah, even though we didn't know you know shit about him at the time, it took a NXT house show for me to cheer for <laughs> Lars Sullivan of all people. Yeah, just that because was... he was a big man slamming people around, and, and... then he turned out to be. A shithead. A shithead. A shithead who did really embarrassing porn. Yeah. That that was really funny. He was like, you know, being like, well, if I remember correctly, he was being like, what, really like homophobic and like some, what, bodybuilding message boards from like back in the day and somebody dug up all those receipts. Yeah, like someone took the time to like go through these old like message boards and like, hey, you know that giant meat of a man? He, he said some wild shit back in the day. Check this shit out and then like what six months later come to find out ah, <clears throat> kind of did gay porn yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. Hmm. you're talking a lot of shit for someone who had a dick in his ass at one point <laughs> it's like why it was just like man bitch you could have just deleted all that shit hair by internet remembers everything yep internet remembers everything and if they don't it- remember they will find some shit so don't get too high and mighty because someone will come up a few years down the line with the receipts and uh, you'll have to be cashing that check. Yeah. But, you know, uh, speaking speaking of wrestling, again, I don't know how long we were going to be on the topic, but I did want to bring up the fact that one of, I know it's a house favorite, at least majority-wise. Yeah. Fucking, uh, we mentioned him earlier. I saw this man put on a hell of a match against Buddy Murphy live in Birmingham, Alabama. And due to a clerical error on WWE's part, <laughs> idiots, he has shown up. Tommy End is now hashtag All Elite, but now referred to as 
uh, Malachi Black. Malachi Black. It's going to be like a weird, like, I'm seeing it as like a Bray Wyatt situation because Excalibur even said, like, oh, that's Tommy Inn, but that man right there, that is definitely not Tommy Inn. And then he's like trying to explain to JR, it's Malachi Black. Yeah, they're doing the whole, you know, you know, you know, from back in the day, Mick Foley, modern day, more like Bray Wyatt and um, The Fiend situation, kind of, yeah. sort of. I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, I wouldn't doubt it if this was leading up to what they were going to try to do in WWE, but yeah. didn't. And so now he'll have the opportunity to do whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, for, for those who don't know, Malachi Black, a.k.a. Tommy and a.k.a. Ma- Alistair Black, he's this giant, like, Hungarian wrestler. He, he um, he's he, he's from one of the the Nordic lands. Yeah, I'm gonna confirm this. But basically, he's just very tall wrestler. He has a very like stoic, mercurial disposition. Very quiet, like covered in tattoos and like satanic imagery. And he quickly became one of my favorites in NXT a few years ago. All right, I'm gonna butcher the hell out of this. Uh, Alkmaar Netherlands is where he was born. It's the Netherlands. Yeah. Wow, he's only 36. Yeah. Holy shit balls. And he's just a killer persona, killer wrestler. And he was recently released by the WWE. And then, like Gannon said, to the aforementioned clerical error, he, instead of having a 90-day no-complete clause after being fired, it was only 30-day, and he showed up on AEW Dynamite, their Wednesday weekly show, and surprised <laughs> the hell out of everybody. Like, I, I, you probably would have thought I was getting murdered at the time. But I was just screaming my head off. And Liz is also a huge fan of, of this guy. And I'm just screaming her name like, you, you, come here, you got to see who's here. And it was just, it was great. <clears throat> it was also the first um, the, the first AEW Dynamite uh, back on the road mm-hmm. post-COVID, I guess, you, if you want to call it that, I guess. A heavy air heavy quote, quote post-COVID. <laughs> And plus, he he uh, he did his signature move, the the spinning back heel kick to fucking Arn Anderson, yeah. knocked his head clean off. Arn Anderson is an old man. Uh, for those of you who don't, know. <laughs> he used to be a wrestler, very old man now. <laughs> but, and you know, this six foot two Netherlands man spun around with with like a Chun Li bird kick, knocked his head loose. Uh, I mean, I will say. Um, uh, at least in uh, the current state, the modern day state of professional wrestling, this man has put on some of the best matches I've ever seen, and I'm very happy that he is with a promotion that we love and appreciate as much as we do. And we'll definitely do him better justice in uh, the place where he came. And I, I, I still remember one of my fondest memories uh, back when we had our NXT Takeover parties is like seeing Alistair win the NXT Champions. Like we went off yeah that that was another insane moment just like it's like we know it's like okay that's like i don't want to go off on the whole like you know it's fake tangent you know we we know but at the same token we appreciate a good show like let's say i'm not gonna throw uh 90 for a goddamn ufc fight just to have it end in three seconds you know nothing not that there's anything wrong with people who buy fights like that it's just you know Odds are you can kind of see the results of those on Facebook in like what 15, 30 minutes after the work. Because like the thing with MMA, it's a it's you know a real fight. Yeah. So real fights don't last thirty minutes. Right. So like obviously someone's gonna get knocked out and you know that's the end of it. With wrestling, it's predetermined, of course. But like it's more like you're going to be at least guaranteed like this is going to be like a substantial length and to be worth watching. You know, usually. 
And the, granted, every all the participants are sober and not you know injured or you know dead. Some other interfering <laughs> bullshit. But like the the thing is with like wrestling is that of course you still root for your favorites and like you, the outcome is predetermined. You, you just don't know if your guy's gonna win, and it's always the anticipation of like when your favorite finally gets their moment. That night, Alistair, our favorite, got to win the world championship of his particular promotion. Yeah. He's always like a dark, brooding character. And, you know, granted, he, he he finally got the big belt in NXT, and even he had to crack a smile. But all of us were just like, ew, Alistair, you're not supposed to smile. What is that? Gross. Stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, because, like, it's like one of those things when it's like it's someone who has, like, this perpetual frown and scowl to the point where, like, their face is sort of, like, seems, like, defaultly set to just a sour expression. For them just to turn up this smile, it seemed almost unnatural. It's like, you can smile. You can do that. <laughs> he, was cra- he, he was cracking some grins at um on Dynamite Wednesday night, too. Again, another scenario where I'm like, you can't fucking help it. I know you're happier than a pig and shit right now. Yeah. I and bet Vince was just like, ah, damn it, pal. <laughs> and, <laughs> fucked up. And, like, I, I love how, like, he's... Basically bringing, like, this aborted storyline in WWE to AEW. That's what it seems like, yeah. Because, like, when he was leaving uh, WWE, he had this storyline where he was blinded by a another former wrestler, Buddy Murphy, who, like, put his eye out by ramming it into a corner of a steel steps. Like, just, like, black makeup and, like, this white contact lens. Like, it's, he's blinded. And then he was released in the middle of the storyline. And so when he showed up, he still was carrying that imagery over. Yeah. I think they even like had a, a Twitter exchange about it. So I would not. All right. I'm glad we're recording. We're calling it right now. Or I'm going to call it right now. I mean, it's it's already confirmed. Buddy Murphy or wh- whoever he's going to be referred to. As, ugh, how he's going to be known when he comes or if he comes to Asia. Muddy Murphy. Muddy Murphy. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've um, I'll, I'll explain why. I, y'all probably don't have to know an explanation as to why I might be slurring my words a little bit tonight. But <laughs> um, <laughs> his 90 uh, day no compete clause will be done. Like what? three days before AEW's all out. Yeah, their their big show on Labor Day weekend. So what if they they they've established uh Malachi Black, you know, in his feud with I mean his first feud's going to be with Cody Rhodes. I know everybody's crying about it online. I I get why people are bitching about it, but at the same time, I don't I mean, he's going to win. I don't think Cody will take a win off of Malachi Black in his first. Even someone as self-aggrandizing as Cody Rhodes, I feel like he wouldn't turn fan favor against him by getting the pin on the returning Malachi Black. So when he does pin, let's say he does it at All Out. It's probably that feud's probably not going to go that long. Let's be real. So whoever he, whoever Malachi Black beats at All Out, uh, Muddy Burphy comes out and just wrecks his shit. And then continues something that started in another fucking promotion in this one. How rad would that be? I mean, because like, if I was in their position, if I had like a story I was cooking up on and someone fired me, like, hell no, I'm not scrapping this. Yeah, because from everything I read, I believe, even though, like I said, they got rid of his ass, uh, WWE... Uh, they they let him have a lot of leeway with his character, I, if I read correctly. Yeah. Or remember. So, and I'm pretty sure he's going to have all that and then some in AEW because, like, he's a great wrestler. He's a great personality. He can he can talk. Like, he's good with words. He's really good in the fucking ring. And 
he he's just gonna go straight to the moon. Like there, there, there's so many like like cool moments I remember from his time in NXT. Like even though this wrestler is still very much canceled, mm-hmm. but, but when he had that match and he said "Enjoy Infamy, Velveteen Dream." Oh, and I, that, I, that was a great line. No, Velveteen Dream is a now confirmed to be a very bad person. Very bad. Very bad. Yes. 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 And uh, back when he was, uh, he had his match with. Uh, Johnny Gargano, he beat the piss out of him, raised it up by his hand and said, I absolve you of all your sins and fucking kicked his head off. Man, he's so good, which it still baffles me that Booker T was just like, he was not the guy. He didn't have it. He didn't have what it took to be the guy. I'm just like, okay, Booker, I love you. I love you and respect you so much. But everything you just said was the opposite of right. Yeah. That was... <laughs> <laughs> or whatever they said in fucking <laughs> Billy Madison. <laughs> it's like that wasn't it, Chief. That was not it. But on a, but like just going back to that recent episode of AEW that it had that infamous moment where a fan ran from the stands and tried to attack uh the ring where MJF and Chris Jericho were cutting their promo. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, uh, you can look up the history of di- of dipshits doing this uh, throughout the history of wrestling all over YouTube. Um, it is basically an unwritten rule that you know. Yes, it's fake. It's a show, but <clears throat> excuse me, that's also their world. You jump over that barricade. You just stepped into their world, and. They were prepared to, you know, do a job. You're there to interfere with their work, and that's going to be a no-go. History has shown throughout the years that uh, jumping the barricade at a wrestling show is not a good idea. And the thing not is... Not a good idea. Like, if, if these jackasses that jump the ropes and try to get in the ring, they, you don't know what their intentions are. No. So, yep. and plus, like, there have been, like, moments where the people who have, like, tried to interfere and jump in the ring, they're like... Oh, they have like knives, and like they're they've been intended to do like you know something malicious. So like when like these three hundred pound dudes decide to like defend themselves and like clock you across the head, you know like you're sort of play stupid games. You get stupid prizes. Yeah, uh, we've been like wa- uh, kind of like loosely watching this story as as it's been developing, and this guy like his Twitter is fucking insane. Like, oh, yeah. a huge, like, fan of Jim Cornette. Jim, Jim Cornette, um, again, I know you, a lot of you aren't going to know who the fuck these people are. But uh, Jim Cornette, he has been in the professional wrestling business for, what, 40 years? Essentially. He, uh, according, you know, <clears throat> he hell, he has this bit down memorized. Hell, I almost have it damn near memorized. From Dark Side of the Ring, he goes, I've been in the wrestling business for so long. I've, I've been a manager, a performer, a... Uh, a booker, a manager, a blah, blah, blah. I've been doing it all. And I mean, he has, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll call it like it is, but his, um, you know, he has a lot of very old school takes on what wrestling should be. And, um, I don't agree with them. He used to be a man. I respected a lot until he's just like shitting on like all the things that are good in life. And I'm just like, why, why can't I, I get it? It used to be one way, but, but things change. Things like, fucking change. I feel for the better, in my opinion, at least. Like, you know, he's his big personality now, and, like, he has, like, obviously a lot of knowledge and experience, but at the same time, he's very set in his ways, and at moments, he he can be based on certain things, but also he can he said some really just 
out of his ass bullshit that's just really not okay. This quote quote fan idolizes him for, and because Jen Cornette has a very temperamental personality, sort of like stokes a lot of fires. Yeah. And a lot of people sort of take him at his word a little too closely. And this guy is like, wrestling's changed. It's not what it used to be. You know, it's not safe anymore for like the old guys like me. And so he thought he was going to like. That teach, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> teach, teach Jericho and MJF a lesson by like rushing the ring. But security caught him, and certain fan cams were released on Twitter. And you see Jericho just like, nah. like Justin him. Roberts got involved. You see him like yanking his ass off the fucking ramp. Yeah, like the uh, the ring announcer just like, hold up, dude, let me get one in. Yeah, man, hell yeah, man. When you piss off Justin Roberts, you know you fucked up. You know you messed up. And like like you said, this guy was like a huge fucking cornet mark. But again. He also shot himself in the foot with that because if he is as big of a Cornette fan or Mark as he claims to be, then he would know that even Cornette knows that you don't jump the fucking barricade as a fan. And like, there's that came out the other day that that Cornette found that guy's tweet directed at him and said like a, a, a couple of things, dude. You don't get into the ring. If you did that when I was in there, you would have got a tennis racket up his ass because he had like a very famous bit of him having a tennis racket as a prop and a weapon. Yeah. And also, you're blocked. Yeah. So, like, the, the the guy that the fan, like, held in such high regard told him he was a shithead. So, like, he's just SOL. Yeah. And from everything I've read on this guy's timeline, uh, the, the, the guy who jumped the rail, according to him, he's got, like, "Quote unquote offers on the table for him to do things and blah 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 and I'm just like, I mean, if you do fine I guess but you're still a fucking idiot. Like, I I just I I don't get it. I I don't understand it. Uh, if you don't want you know like a broken face, don't jump. Don't, I mean he I, he didn't get like hurt at all. But there have been instances where fans have jumped the barricade and just got fucked. Wall like. I just remember the um, Hall of Fame where... Oh, the Bret Hart incident, yeah. The Bret Hart incident where they're... Legendary wrestler Bret Hart and his niece, uh, Natalia, they were inducting Jen Anvil Neidhart into, posthumously into the Hall of Fame, which is Natalia's father, Bret Hart's brother. And a fan rushed the... Were they brothers? Huh? Were they brothers? They were related, right? They were related somehow. I don't think they were brothers, though. Uh, I'm a newbie wrestler fan, so like... The guys from, like, the 90s and 80s, is, is, there is a bit fuzzy on me. I mean, hell, maybe half, maybe in-law. I don't know. Fuck it. Anyhow, they were inducting him posthumously, and Ring was invaded by this fan, and he tackled uh, Bret Hart, and, and he and Natalia fell to the ground, and, like, all the other wrestlers that were around at the ceremony, they grabbed him and hauled him off, and you see a fan cam and uh, Cash Wheeler and AEW, uh, you see him, like, walk walking alongside the fan and the security, and he just just jabs oh, yeah. him as hard as he could and walks off. He gets him a quick, uh, cheap shot in there. And you, you see, like you see, the guy's like mugshot, and he's got a wicked shiner. I mean, you know, uh, a part of me wishes I could say I felt sorry for the fan, but I'm I don't. It's hard <laughs> like to. I don't. <laughs> like I mean, you fucked up. Like stupid games equal stupid prizes, no matter how you spin it, and. That's that will always be how that cookie crumbles. Anything else you want to talk about with wrestling? I mean, I, I was just about to say I didn't want to uh, talk about it that long because 
Grant, I'm, I'm pretty sure they are uh, wrestling fans on the AYCH side of things, but, you know, I also didn't want to, you know, keep it going for too long. This is where we talk about whatever we want. Yeah, this they, is the... Pat uh, and Cam Banner Show. The ma- the Banner Show, yes. Two, two Banner episodes in a row. It feels like the old days of AYCH where, we, where every episode was unscripted and unproduced and we just said whatever we wanted all day every day no oh, okay <laughs> i forgot <laughs> this this podcast actually gets edited <laughs> yeah God. no no not that there's anything wrong with that justin i love you buddy i love the cajun great love being a part of the cajun greatness podcast i have a, a grand old time but you know no editing at all yeah, wink <laughs> wink <laughs> Be sure to check out our spinoff show, KG Greatness, where every week, myself, Cannon, Justin, and Jonathan all talk about a Cage movie and anything else that we like to talk about. It's a really good time. Although, this week, we're having a week off, but there's still a whole library of content to check out with that. Part of me wants to like like ninja sneak in an episode without him knowing anyway, <laughs> but I know that's impossible because I know he... Um, post the show and handles all of that (laughs) somehow i'm going to sneak an episode onto his soundcloud and upload it let's let's find the nearest hacker and get that one going just like i'm in just like on that just sort of like doing shows i did want to say be, be sure to stay tuned throughout the month we have something coming up for y'all at the at the end of the month old face and old voices coming back with their with a new project we think you'll enjoy keep your ears open for that so this we, there may not be only one spinoff show on the AYCH network so is this like evolution and it's a mystery or i mean not really i mean if, <laughs> if you pay attention to our twitter you'll mean you'll know exactly what it is yeah this is true on that subject i i did want to talk about <laughs> Because like AYCH is, has been expanding and, and C- Canon has technically a show on Gates and Greatness is like, and we talked about it privately. It's like, what what would you like to do if you got your own Canon spinoff? Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I've always talked till I was blue in the face about doing something wrestling related. Yeah. I mean, I know you throw a rock and you'll hit like eight thousand wrestling podcasts, but still, I mean. There's a reason why people talk about wrestling. People like wrestling and want to converse and start a conversation about what they see week to week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully not be a shithead about it. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk shit about people on, on wrestling left and right. But I think it's, like, mostly just, you know, playful. Especially Jonathan. Like, he <laughs> – like, they hate fucking um, – uh, FTR, but I, I believe it's because they're really good at what they do. Yeah, and I agree. I hate them for the same reason. Like I hated them in NXT, but uh, I don't know. But I feel like if I did have like I guess quote unquote my own show, like what would I do? I don't know. It, it would basically just be just the same thing you guys do. Yeah, like just just pick a topic and roll with it. Like I would like to just like I don't want to be stuck in like one like topic yeah if that was because like um for, for example like cajun greatness like um I, I i know like i know how like quickly things you know are evolving and changing with that podcast and even so like i know we're not gonna run out of cage material anytime soon but we will is all i'm saying so it's also great that you know we have those little spin-off the uncaged episodes 
and you know the straight shooting pew pew or whatever. Straight shooting pew pew TMTM. 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 I just like to um oh I just like talking shit with my friends yeah. and um talking about and hopefully a lot of it's funny. And then we send it out for the world, and hopefully they think it's funny. And uh, we really appreciate y'all listening because y'all have been very, very supportive, especially during the summer. Some of our best weeks throughout June, and we we appreciate you listening like so much. And like for y'all to listen to Cajun Greatness, they're doing well over there. Even though when I say there, and it's really just <laughs> us. Like the Venn diagram is literally just exactly the same minus two people. We're like half the team right now. <laughs> yeah. And I guess depending on who you ask, Justin, I am an official member of AYCH, even though I am not. <laughs> not that that's a bad thing. Yeah. I'm just saying, how, what, what what would this be? Just to rustle even more Jimmy's. What's the number count? For me, at least. This is 23? Let four? me... Uh... I, I do keep attendance on. <laughs> he, keep, he keeps roll count for fucking podcast. That's amazing. I really like looking at numbers. That's kind of. I get my, that. I understand that. So it, it's really fun to like look at sheets and diagrams and stuff like that. But technically, this episode would be your twenty fourth episode oh, as a guest. Okay, I was close. Cause like I still feel kind of bad for like y'all uh, y'all's anniversary episode you had and I showed up and I was a trivia question but me showing up on that episode made that question null and void. <laughs> I mean like it was impromptu so it didn't count but like it it, it, was, it was still a good bit. Yeah, it was it was funny. <laughs> now that things are sort of opening up, like I definitely want to reach out to more people and you know. Fingers crossed that will happen, but I would love to be able to have like more of our our usual crew back on. Like I'd love to have like Mel and Trey and like Luke and yeah. Mac, who who is the host of a like huge Star Wars podcast yeah. right now. His show is really blown up. Super proud of him. I would love to be on an episode involving Mac. That'd be great. So uh, and Mac's a swell guy. If uh, if, if you're into Star Wars. And uh, Mandalorian on Star Wars Television. Go check out Children Up a Watch. They're doing great things right now. He and his co-host, they literally a top ten like show on Apple Podcasts. Like it's incredible is, how much they've blown up. That is that's great. That is and like fantastic. To what you're talking about earlier, sort of like having one subject and sticking to it. I do think that's part of our strength. A little bit to toot in our own horn at AYCH is that we, because our content is just so varied, we do whatever we want. And so, like, while it can be a little tricky to, like, think of a new thing every week, I mean, technically we plan out, like, a few months in advance, but even still, yeah, you know, just to come up with, like, a like an idea from the ground up. You do have a certain security when you do, like, a, a sub, as, like, a subjected show, like Star Wars or something. You always have, like, something you can pull from. At the same time, you kind of run the risk of like maybe getting burned out on that subject. Yeah, it's very true. I don't that that's um, kind of what happened with me with um. And the thing was, I, I never really not I didn't really necessarily get burned out on it. Um, it was a podcast I used to listen to all the time. Um, the the Going in Raw podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a wrestling podcast. Uh, mainly focuses. I mean, they focus on all wrestling, especially now that you know AEW is a thing. But specifically, just all WWE stuff because there's so much WWE to cover. And you know, since I didn't watch WWE anymore, as much as it hurt me, I was just like, 
I don't have a reason to listen anymore. And yeah. I don't know if that makes me a shitty person or not, but <laughs> I mean, I, I love Steven Larson. Like yeah. I still like talk to Steve all the time. I, he, he has uh, turned his, it used to be called Friendoville. He has a channel cheap plug here. It's called wrestle juice. Does like little wrestling tidbits here, there, and they're funny. Go check them out. But I, I don't know. I just, you know, just kind of fell off on uh, the wrestling show because I just didn't watch the product that they were covering for the most yeah. part. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think technically you, you could have still listened to it just for, like, to hear their conversation and to, like, do that. And But, like, you know, that happens with everything. Like, yeah. There's, like, there's a bunch of stuff that I listen to, like, and, you know, still subscribe to and just don't really pick up as much. But, like, I listen to the New Day podcast. Still mm-hmm. love the hell out of New Day. It's just, like, because I'm not really – Focus on WWE right now. With that comes like I'm not focused on like as much of those as like the performer. You know, I still really love and respect you know all my favorites. Yeah, that's like me. Like uh, a lot of the podcasts that I used to listen to, like every episode of here lately, it's mostly all right. Let me see what the topic's about, and if it's something I'm interested in, I'll listen to it. So, I mean, there are there are still podcasts that I listen to like every episode, but here lately it's just like, and I'm I'm mostly listen to them like in the car to and from work anyway, in like 20, 30 minute chunks. So yeah, it's like I'm the, watch listening to this hour and a half, two hour episode and just like bite sized chunks. Yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a sucker for long form content, but I also listen to it in short spurts. Yeah, so. because like I'm definitely like I, whenever I see you know no shade to people who do it. Like the podcast are like, oh, we're, our show's like 10, 20, 30 minutes. And I'm like, I feel like that's barely enough time to get going. But um, I guess to give like a definitive answer, if like gun to my head, if I had like one, if I had to choose a, a podcast where I had to talk about one thing and one thing only, I guess it'd probably be like, you know, just like movies. Yeah. Because like that's like, for, for lack of a better word, universal. Like yeah. everybody watches movies, blah, blah, blah. So. I don't know. Like you said, like I love wrestling to death, but not everybody watches wrestling. So yeah, there's definitely something to that because you know you have your own taste. So like you can do like the the canonical canon or something where you, like you have like your favorites that odds are a lot of us haven't seen. Be like introducing your favorites to to your friends. I mean, yeah, like I, I'm I'm always stoked to to introduce um, things that that y'all haven't seen before. Because John, uh, myself, and and you have all like compile like this super list of movies we want to watch together and like a lot of it just like especially with canon just like i haven't seen that and i'd be interested to watch oh yeah it's just like a lot of 80s and like 90s like movies and i mean like you're not much older than me but like because you have like a different perspective and and a different layer of interest of course there's going to be different things that you watch and like okay this is what i could bring to the movie conversation Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like that's like me. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty much the only one in the house that is like, like not versed in the world of anime whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like I've always known its existence. I've just never really like found one to like sink my teeth into. I even joked around like, hell, it's been probably over a year now where we did an, or AYCH. Let's do an episode where like every member of the show picks an anime for me to watch, and I watch like maybe the first one or two episodes. And then based on that, I pick the one that I want to stick with. I mean, I still want to do that. We just that would be fun. I'll be down to do that. It's, it's, it's on the list. It's just making the time to do it. I mean, that's fair. 
Because with like we have like behind the scenes, we have like a like a list, a doc that's like mm-hmm. with tons of ideas. It's just always a matter of finding time to do it. Because especially like the episodes that are, that are like more media intensive in terms of like stuff to watch, that's always yeah. going to take more time. Like when we did the the kaiju overviews, that's always like four or five movies to watch. We did our Keanu Reeves special. We, that was like four or five movies. And so, like, just trying to fit four or five movies into one week that everybody has to watch, it takes time. And, like, it's, it's a lot of times we, we can't get them all in. So those episodes definitely take more planning to I mean, do. I mean, it, I mean, it's fair. Like, <clears throat> it can be overwhelming. Hell, like like you said, you mentioned earlier the, the, the giant movie list that we've compiled. Uh, we decided to narrow it down to the, the ones we owned physically first. Yeah. Even that is a chunky fucking list. And we have we've only knocked off what one or two. Yeah, because like because sometimes you're not in like in the mood for movies, but yeah. But sometimes we jump back and forth between like our shows because like we're watching The Shield, we're watching Golden Girls. Jonathan and I started watching Roseanne, and plus it's interesting having these watching these shows that, and like I guess in this day and age may have a bit more like muddied like feelings around them. Like obviously watching The Shield, which is like a cop drama in a, in a time of white. Like, discourse around the effectiveness and the necessariness of police and ACAB and then like Roseanne while she was a very base person 30 years ago her politics have changed become much more inflammatory we have conversations amongst ourselves like while we enjoy these shows what sort of like the correctness of consuming it to me it's like we have fun like watching these shows at the same time we we enjoy like the conversations that are sparked from them yeah it's like weird as that might sound (laughs) Yeah, <clears throat> the shield. It, it's definitely. Uh, it, it's like, and I grew. God, it's gonna be terrible to say out loud. I basically grew up with the shield. I watched it from when it started to when it ended, like weekly, which was a real struggle because the final season was like my third year of college. I skipped a couple of classes to watch that fucking <laughs> show. <laughs> I did. I mean, no, no shame because like I definitely they were night classes. I'm sorry, fuck night classes. Yeah, that night is classes dumb. Suck. That is not a good idea. I don't care how you spin it. I definitely rearranged schedules to like accommodate shit I was watching or like wanted to do, like do. Like I remember, like it's bad. Like I remember, like kind kind of low key, like pestering my mom to like wrap up a school clothes shopping like outing for me so I could go home to watch Robot Wars back in the day. I don't know if you ever watched Robot Wars. Was that that one on Comedy Central where they were in like that glass cage and they had like robots, like one-on-one robot fights? I don't know if it was on Comedy Central. I think I watched it on like Sci-Fi or like Spike TV. But basically, yeah, it was like, you know, they have like the one-on-one robot fights. They have like pickaxes and little little flippers. Man, God, I feel... Like, not downplaying it by saying it was on Comedy Central, but I feel like Comedy Central had that as well in some form or fashion. Maybe? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I know what show you're talking about, though. Yes. Um, but, yeah, The Shield is, it's, uh, again, I, I watched the show from way back in the day, and I always loved it. Uh, I was always under the impression that a Blu-ray release would never happen because... I guess because of the format it was shot in, but I guess the the rendering technology got better or what have you. And there's a Blu-ray set. I purchased it, and I've been waiting for an excuse to go down memory lane again. This very dark and <laughs> brooding stroll down memory lane. 
but I'm still having a blast and I'm, I'm really anxious to go through these last few seasons. Cause again, I was also when the seasons were coming out on physical DVD, I would buy them and I got up to season four. So seasons one through four were the ones that I'd seen multiple times. We are now getting into territory that I've only seen the one time. Yeah. So I remember the least on these seasons. Yeah. We definitely talked about maybe like having like a extended conversation on the show because we spent because we spent so much time like watching it and it would be interesting to have a conversation about it cuz like obviously you have like the show itself and then you dealing with your own sort of politics and the politics outside the world like obviously like the Twitter is a percent upper percent upper percent of the people who like think and feel things there's this sort of greater awareness in the world of, of like you know police brutality and police corruption and just like the general bad things police do and yeah a cab all cops are bastards and just like wow this cop show is really entertaining to watch you do you sort of grapple with that morality it's like is that really then you wonder it's like is this really a thing to like worry about because the show it's fake and obviously you know being a white person you are divorced from sort of like the problems that are people who are immediately faced by police violence yeah so like there's this whole like swirling maelstrom of white thoughts that begin to go on in your head when you're watching certain shows and a environment with like more conscious political ideas and i think that to me that's interesting yeah i i do agree it is one of those instances where, like, you you kind of just gonna have to like separate, you know, what's going on with the the real world with what's happening in the show, and with you know today's climate, what's happening on the show, it's it's yeah, it, it's rough. I'm I'm not gonna lie, it's a little rough. But damn it, when it comes to as far as like cop drama goes, and I've seen a lot of them in my day, this one I I guess has always been my favorite. And, you know, th- being a first-time viewer, it- it's been a very entertaining ride to go for. And, like, obviously, it's very outlandish in, in a lot of regards. But in-, in-, in some forms, it is, I would think, a good lens of to show how sort of, like, there there is, like, this inherent, like, abuse of power in police forces and how people with good intentions are led down dark paths in sort of the very, like, destructive nature in the police. Yeah, Pat is way better at d- describing things like that than I am. <laughs> I'm glad, no, no, it's like, I, <clears throat> I see everything that you do. I'm just shit at explaining it the way you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but there, 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 I'm not going to lie. There are a couple of things that are about to happen here in the future that I am not ready for. And uh, whenever we get there, well, we shall see. I know, I know how when um, I know how Jonathan when they're like, "Hey, you want to watch something?" He's like, I'm in the mood for something a little light. I kind of take that as code for we're not fucking watching the Shield tonight. I mean, <laughs> no, there's some heavy shit in yeah in the Shield. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not denying that at all. I I understand completely. I'm not gonna lie. Um, starting off fresh with the Golden Girls has been fun as hell, and I want to continue on that adventure. Now, the Golden Girls has been fun, and, and like just and, and to have like the juxtaposition of watching the Golden Girls like this show from like the 80s early 90s and you have roseanne also from a different time period from starting in the 90s and going into the late 90s how the two are very different but still like they're very still enjoyable in their own aspects yeah 
Because, like, Golden Girls, it feels a bit more like, you know, the old style of, like, sitcoms. It, it feels very sort of a little... Uh, maybe unnatural is not the right word, but it feels like this doesn't feel quite like how people talk and behave. And Roseanne does feel more natural and sort of, like... Yeah, con- Golden Girls is definitely the more quirky of the two, Yeah, I, I would say, if that's the right word to use. I mean, granted, I, I grew up watching the Golden Girls with my mother. Mm-hmm. And, like... Uh, I mean, and I never, like, started fresh, like, from the beginning. I mean, was I alive when the show was still pumping out new episodes? Yes, but I was, like, a baby. So I'm pretty sure I was catching a lot of those in syndication. Because I I remember, like, Lifetime would show, like, Golden Girl reruns, Designing Women reruns. Oh, God, Designing. Another one, my mom and I would fucking, well, I say I. I was in the room. She'd watch it. But... I, I would like always like pay attention to Golden Girls, but again, never starting from the beginning. Like I find it hilarious as fuck that the reason that that uh, Sophia is the mom, right? Yeah, yeah. The reason that she has no filter is because she had a stroke, and the and the stroke destroyed the part of her her brain that stops her from saying things she shouldn't. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. I just thought she was just a raging smart ass, but now there's an excuse apparently. Yeah. Like the whole thing, like, you know, I'm an old person. So like screw like politeness. I can, I, you know, like, I don't give a fuck anymore. There is a certain level of that. Yeah. But then like, she's also, they would have like the quote, very special episodes. Like what Rose, they, they said she had like a, a, Prescription pill addiction. Ooh, well, I haven't. I don't remember that one. Uh, that spoiler, I guess. But like, you know, the no, thing, no, no, no. Uh, they like, they do have like moments of like you know, oh, we're touching, they are talking about a serious thing, which you know, a lot, you know, Golden Girls for its time, they talked about stuff that other people didn't, like you know, sort of like old folks being sexually active yeah. and getting sexually transmitted diseases. Prescription drug addiction, like chronic pain, the mental and physical deterioration of, of elderly people, and then also being like openly supportive of LGBTQ rights and like yeah. showing queer people on TV, and especially in the early early nineties, was like unheard of. Yeah, like B. Arthur was like 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 a big um, uh, spokesperson for um, gay rights back yeah. in the day, weren't she? Yeah. yeah. And like the, and the show has a huge queer following to this day, and it's a fantastic show. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus Christ! Like, I am a thirty three thirty three year old man. I was a mere like fetus when this show was on, and I'm watching it now, and I'm just like, this is hilarious. Like, like it, it's still fun even today. And I like I said, uh, whenever uh, Jonathan comes back, I'm ready to go back on that train. Because like, and plus, like, it's just. It's just so fun to to see like how just like witty and just savage they all are. Oh or, yeah. <laughs> or you know, especially like Dorothy and like Sophia. Because yeah. there's, uh, I I forget, <clears throat> I forget the context, but uh, there there's, I know there's one episode in the future where um, because you know Rose, I, I guess is you know the the what's the word. Um, I, I I guess just dumb for lack of a better yeah. <laughs> like she, <laughs> like so she, I don't know. Um, she's not dumb, but you know, there's one episode in particular where I feel uh like she like like gets she loses a doll like a doll that meant a lot to her. Yeah. But in this episode in particular, it's when she like got it 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 took me back to that uh, that I never saw the bowling episode that we watched where Rose got like really competitive and was like I want to win cuz I'm good and I'm tired of fucking losing cuz she sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then in this episode 
um, like this little girl had the doll or whatever, and she was like, "Oh, put it on the little girl. I want the doll." And she was just like, "I want my damn doll back." <laughs> she just gets mean. I'm like, "Well, hell yeah, get your doll back there, Rose." <laughs> and, and plus, we were talking, Don and I were how there's like stuff that comes out in like the third or fourth episode of the Golden Girls. You would think me like in the middle of like the second season or some shit, like just drama gravitas. What was it? Dorothy, her. Her grown children were like having like a no. It was either Dorothy or Blanche. One of them, adult children are like having like this marital spat, and like their grandchild comes to stay with them. And then like he talks about, oh, like I'm yeah, not. I think get- that was Blanche's uh, grandson. I think yeah. Like his, his parents weren't paying attention to him because they're like having like basically a divorce, and so he goes off and does like you know little like criminal shit, and it's like him finding the support he needs from them because he's not getting it at home. Just like, shit, this is like the fourth goddamn episode. Yeah, they, uh, they, uh, they're like three episodes deep and it's just like, man, I'm about to cry. What the fuck? <laughs> so, like, it, it's been, and the, as someone who's only, like, seen, like, Golden Girls on the periphery, like, watching it with y'all has been a lot of fun, too. And so, like, oh, this is what the, the cultural zeitgeist was then. And, like, it's sort of gotten this re- resurgence, you know, in the last couple of years as well. Yeah, like there, there's there's always been merch. I've always seen merch left and right. Hell, I'm guilt. I own Golden Girls merch. I have a fucking. In fact, I think Jonathan and I own the same um, squad shirt. I think they had it first, and I bought it after the fact. But we both rock the same Golden Girls. And John uh, got some sweet pens when we went to Magic City a few weeks ago. Yeah, I I would have gotten them too if they had the full set. Yeah, I, they, I wanted to, but it had, felt wrong without. Mm, yeah. They only had like what Sophia and. Blanche? Sophia and Blanche, yeah, they were the only two they had. Obviously, we'll get back on the Golden Girls train once John gets back from their vacations. Oh, yeah, I am looking forward to that one. Uh, kind of th- don't mean to throw you a curveball, but, um, you know, uh, in a um, in a, a different universe, let's say there's a Pat variant. Yeah. And they uh, also enjoy podcasts. What show would they do if they had to stick to a particular topic? At this point, it, like in just terms of, like, my fandom and media consumption, it would probably be, like, Toku, Tokusatsu. Yeah. Because I, I've low-key been, like, wanting to do a Toku show. It's just so, like, <laughs> we do so much on the show already, and, like, me being, quote, quote, the leader, trying to, like, juggle, like, the production and hosting and scheduling and booking and, like, all these other things, like, doing another show where I'm in charge of is, like, really kind of unfeasible right now but like not to but i still have like ideas and i would love to do that like because i you know just watching like common rider super sentai and ultraman like all these shows that i i really enjoyed i would like people to know about and not to say there aren't shows like that out there but just sort of like i would love to see how people who don't really know about this outside of just like maybe exposure to power rangers like in their childhood what it'd be like for them to see that. Because I think, like, there's some wild shit that happens yeah. in Toku, especially, like, the early stuff of, like, the Showa era, like, the 60s and 70s. Like, shit that's just, made, just like, made my jaw drop and made me laugh out loud because it's just so outlandish. We re- That recently came up on KG Greatness because we talked about, uh, Cannon brought up, like, Big Bad Beetleborgs, which, you know, that's an American adaptation of a of an old Japanese Toku show. <laughs> just like the weird translation between the original Japanese product and how it was adapted to American audience. Like, because Beat It Back Beat Boards, it's 
based off like the show that had like these inset and beetle based like warriors and the Beetleborgs that has like these kids who look comic books who stumble into a haunted house or they're given powers by a Liberace Elvis ghost genie that lives in a pipe organ. <laughs> and like while the the universal monsters like werewolf, mummy, Frankenstein, vampire live in the same house, it's bonkers. Yeah. It's like we did touch on that briefly, uh, on the uh, the Guyver episode of Cajun Greatness, which you should listen to if you haven't already. If you it, haven't, it, it stop was, this episode right now, listen to that, and then come back to this. It I, was my birthday <laughs> episode, and I introduced the uh, the gang to uh, Guyver, which is an American adaptation of the Japanese manga Guyver, which is a just like grim and darker, mature like reinterpretation of Tokusatsu Japanese like superheroes and. It's it's a hoot and a holler. It's wild as hell. Uh, it is. It is definitely an experience. Uh, definitely check it out if you're into uh, such things. But yeah, when when I dropped uh, Beetleborgs, I'm just really glad you knew what the fuck I was talking about because like I like like we briefly mentioned on that episode, like you know with the uh, success of Power Rangers, a lot of uh, different shows like that, you know, tried to capitalize on it. You know, VR Troopers not as successful. They I, all, yeah. I barely remember VR like, Troopers. I, I remember watching, but like I couldn't tell oh, you much. Oh yeah, I had like I know it was like a team of three. I had the main three, which strangely enough, the Beetleborgs were also a team of three. Mm-hmm. But that one was more entertaining, so that was the one I kept watching and had the most toys of. That uh, Liberace uh, clown gl- guy, what was his name? Flabber. Flabber. I had one of those. I had a little Flabber like doll or whatever. It was about it was about like a foot tall. Had one. I had like little tiny uh, Beetleborgs, uh, little action figures too. Yeah, I, I definitely think, and one way or another, we should go back to rewatch Beetleborg because I had an idea just earlier tonight. Is like we go back to watch like sort of the Tokyo inspired shows that y'all were, people remember from their childhoods, and then sort of like I give like the the original version of it like their backstory. Yeah, that I mean, would actually be really fucking cool, actually. Because, like, there was, like, there's an episode a couple years ago I did where, for my anniversary on the show, like, I introduced the, the boys and our friend the show, Luke, to several different Tokyo shows from, like, Kamen Rider and uh, Super Sentai and the Japanese version of Spider-Man, uh, which is insane. I believe I had one of the movies. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, it, or a the movie. I don't know how many uh, Japanese Spider-Man movies they made, but they're, they they made twenty five <coughs> episodes in the movie. Well, then I had the one movie they made. It's it's something else. That is like one f- fucking little piece of music that'll never escape my brain somehow. That's just like one of my chief fandoms, like Tokusatsu and and. Seeing different ones sort of get into it has been very gratifying because a friend of the show, Mac, like he came to me one day or one year. It's like, hey, I want to learn about Toku. So I gave it. So like I gave him my sort of TED talk and he's been like watching stuff on his own and just sort of like, and like it, it, it kind of feels a little nice to be like, oh, I have like a subject that people come to me about because like, I don't know, it feels like, oh, there's one thing that I'm. I specify on that people can come to me and like I can inform them on. Honestly, not today, the, the day recording, the July 10th, Wenzel's birthday, also Ultraman Day. 
I'm wearing uh, the Ultraman shirt. I bought it. Oh, yes, you are. At uh, Magic City. And Ultraman is one of the longest seated tokusatsu shows. And today is the 55th anniversary of Ultraman. The rollout for Ultraman in the West this past year has been like incredible. The sort of bringing shows and bringing movies and making them more available online has just been like a huge, like honestly, blessing for like Western Toku fans because like it, it was really hard to come by, and for them to be so giving of that material has been like very exciting, honestly. As I say, it kind of goes against the argument that uh, old. Um uh, a resident dumbass Stephen Dorff tried to bring up. There's too many streaming. Everything's streaming on a box these days. There's too much problems. It's like, oh, well, shut up because Ultraman's here and you can get the fuck up. Yeah, Ultraman it. can totally kick Stephen Dorff's <laughs> ass. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. It's like, man, <laughs> man, like, just imagine, like, the gall it takes for someone who's had a, a pretty middling career when it comes to their movies tried to talk shit about like a movie someone else is in because, because it's like it's a big blockbuster type because in but, case you didn't know steven dorf who was the bad guy in the first blade movie arguably the fucking uh comic book movie that brought comic book movies to the fucking dance and then shortly after x-men and that's when the boom really hit so like he was talking mad shit and I'm like Black Widow. It looks like it looks like dirt. It's embarrassing. I feel bad for Scarlett Johansson. Comic movies are rubbish. And then like, and then somebody's like, um, well, sir, if if you would look to the chart, his like his critical scores on most of his movies have been, I would say, pretty bad. So like, hit for him to talk shit about Black Widow. It's like. People in glass houses, uh, Mister Door. People in glass houses. I mean, and, and it's always and it's always somebody that's like. You know, it, and it really like makes me laugh when it's someone that has been involved in a comic book uh, movie property that wants to shit on it, right? Because again, you know, Steven Dorff was the main bad guy in the first Blade movie, which was, I mean, as far as I remember, it was fucking successful. It got two other movies after the fact, and pretty much spawned like uh, was the genesis of what we have today, arguably for like Marvel Studios. Yeah, because Marvel movies have been a thing. It's just you know. The MCU wasn't a thing until 2008 with Iron Man. So, yeah. But it, uh, to, to, to quote Blade himself, some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. Motherfucking always, and I and I love and I don't have the the person's name in front of me, but it's hilarious that somebody brought up the fact because I remember these fucking commercials. I saw them on like like you know one two a.m. in the morning. When, like, Steven Dorff was doing, like, blue e-cig commercials. No, I remember those. <laughs> it's like, look, dude, just because you're on one season of True Detective doesn't mean you get the big balls, the big dick to be talking mad yeah, shit. You see, that's the thing. Like, the article, I, I forgot. Um, uh, I'll find it. I'll, pro- I'll bring it up here in a little bit. But the article that I looked up that was uh, uh, talking about where he where he gave this initial interview um, quoted him as the true detective actor. I was just like, well, first of all, you're going to have to be more specific because what season was he on? <laughs> I feel like when it comes, when you're trying to throw that shit at you, you're going to try to confuse people because that motherfucker wasn't in season one, okay? Just and saying. also just saying, dude, like your, co- your co-actor got to be the new Blade, Mahershala Ali, so... um. I think the dude's just a little salty that his ass get called up. Um, so confirmed, he was in season three, and ooh, you just mad because yep, 
blades back and you ain't in it, cuz. Sorry. Sorry about your damn look, as James Storm would say. Uh, it was the, yeah, the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, that was the website. That was the interview he gave. Uh, yeah, what a, what a real douche there, bud. I wonder yeah. if he's still smoking blue e-cigs. No one's smoking blue e-cigs. Uh. Do blue like, e-cigs like just, even still exist? I'm saying that as a, a vapor. I, oh, I like, like he has, like, just boxes and boxes of <laughs> blue e-cigs at the house, and he's just like, I don't know what to do with these. He's just like, six in his mouth, he's just puffing through. I am having trouble telling you. I'm having trouble thinking of anything that I've seen him in other than the first Blade movie. I know he's been in things, but I haven't seen them. God, what was that thing that we I think someone put in our Cajun Greatness chat that he's like, comic movies are dumb, and then it's like some stupid comic book like spoof movie almost. Yeah, because like him and like Eddie Griffith was in this like dime store movie. Like it, it doesn't look good. I'm in so many chats that I don't remember which one it's in. Fuck, I, I, I don't know. But yeah, he was in something stupid. He was in a lot of things stupid because the, his Rotten Tomatoes, there's green all up and down his scores. You're Mate. not in the movie. You can't talk about him. Fuck you. That's yeah, not how this works. Mr. Dorf, you might want to take a seat. Yeah. And like honestly, as someone who's seen Black Widow within 24 hours of this recording. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting you saw it recently. It's it's a solid movie. Like, you know, it's it's good. Like, it's like I, I do want to see it. And granted, if I do see it, it's going to have to be in theaters because it's, as of right now, cheaper than giving Disney Plus 30 more dollars after already giving them however much you're paying for it a month. Um, but that being said, if I don't see it in theaters, I can just wait a couple months till I can just watch it on regular Disney Plus. But I'm and also I would care more if I don't know her character was still alive in the MCU. Yeah. But, you know, it, it it's also like, I mean, no disrespect to the character or anything. It's just like when it comes to MCU movies kind of like low on the totem pole for me. I mean, like I mean, at this day should have made this movie a long time ago, but Yeah. Yes. But like for for what the movie is, it's solid. You know, it, it gives us. How is David Arbor? David Arbor he? is he's a hoot. Because I do. I mean, if I want to see this movie, and I hope he's great in it. <laughs> like he he's he's definitely like the funny man of of the show. But yeah, he's he's really good. Florence Pugh, like she's definitely a MVP of the movie. Really, she plays the Black Widow's um sister. Oh, okay. She's a lot of fun, and I will say, with, without going into spoilers. Black Widow, it definitely feels and looks a lot different than the typical Marvel movie. Like, you know, Marvel has a certain house style, and like to the point that it's definitely gotten sort of criticism for it. But I think, I think ever since the success of Thor Ragnarok, they're sort of like loosening the grip on sort of the the MCU house style. And really letting the, the the specific directors give their flavor to it, because for me, you can tell right away this there is something different about the way it's done. Yeah, in, in terms of like aesthetics, in terms of like direction and photography. You see, now I'm getting excited. Now I want to see this movie. <laughs> so, like it, to me, it's definitely worth the watch. Like you, like maybe going in, I wasn't like super jazz, but like at at the end product, like it was good. I mean, I say I'm not excited for it. It it, it 
it's like it's not me shitting on it. It's just the fact that like originally it was supposed to come out last year, right? Yeah. And then I guess in a way, like, uh, and it still holds true in my heart the fact that you know, as of now at least, uh, spoilers for an old ass movie, um, in uh, Avengers Endgame, uh, Black Widow uh, sacrifices herself and dies, so her character is not alive anymore. <clears throat> and now we have a Black Widow movie. It's like I'm cool. I mean, I'm cool with a flashback situation and whatnot, but at the same time, I would. It's like if you, this you were, definitely lose like some of the drama because like you know she she gets through it because like this takes place after Civil War and like yeah. she's in shit after it. In a way, in a way, in a weird sort of sicko way, if you think about it, it kind of fucks with the Marvel formula. Because don't get me wrong, I I again. Fuck the whole oversaturation argument. Give give me comic book movies. Even if they suck, I mean, you tried. Yeah. But, you know, MCU, they have, I, I guess this day and age, they hold a certain standard compared to other properties, I suppose. Yeah. That being said, every Marvel movie just pretty much leads up to another Marvel movie. This one, I'm just, as someone who hasn't seen it, assuming has nowhere to go after the ending credits. And which I <laughs> like, I know it's gonna go somewhere, but as it sits, if the character's dead, I'm just like, ah, okay, I'm gonna watch it. I just, you know, I mean, obviously, no spoilers, but there's definitely something that leads to the future of of story. They're not gonna just like pop this out of nowhere and not have not have anything that sort of pitches forward. But like, no spoilers, but there's something to sort of catch your interest for what comes after. All right, I will say, and we can cut this if there's no problem, but uh, I know we have a danger zone when we record for Cajun Greatness. Are we getting close to that? Because I would love to continue talking if you're game. I, I'm recording on Audacity, so there's not really an issue, but I do have, oh! to, I have to piss like a racehorse. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to cut all of this out. So, but... <laughs> uh, hold on, everybody. <laughs> hey, everybody. Pat's leaving to take a piss right now. Doesn't matter. He's going to cut all this out, probably. I got the emphysema. Miss you, Jonathan. Pat's back. Pat's back from his piss. Yeah, th- uh, three beers really catch <laughs> up to you. Oh, wow, you're already three down? Yeah, I, I'm down to my last drink right here. Oh, no. But speaking of drinks, the boys and I, we went up to Vestavia Hills, Alabama, to watch Black Widow for Wenzel's birthday. And Tanner's been bragging on this movie theater for months now. Because like the the, the prime theater, uh, basically like they're like their big fancy theater block you go into. It's got reclining seats, heated seats, vibration, indoor dining. Like they will bring the food to your seat. Fuck off! That's insane. And and as I discovered, you can they have an open bar. Yeah, I saw I saw the Snapchat um, full blown, fully fucking stocked bar. Like, how do they bring the food though? It's normally dark when you're in a movie theater. With with them, like they um, they have like your seat number, so they just and they know like 
this is A, B, C, D, whatever. What if you're like in the middle of the goddamn theater? Like, what if it's a packed house and I, some poor fucking attendant has to come down there and give you your goddamn steak tartare? Well, well <laughs> we we all ate out at uh, at a sushi restaurant nearby, so we didn't have to experience that. Yeah. But I'm but I'm sure they have like a system for it. What if they have like a drone that just like lands your fucking like steak and potatoes? That'd be in that'd be some lap. funny shit. <laughs> you want some A one? It's like your lobster, sir. It's like lobsters. It's just like a like a claw game, just like drops it. Oh right. my god! You know what? Fuck it. If they did that, I'm going. Let's go. And like that. <laughs> I will say it looked like they had some pretty good drinks, although it seemed a little much. Of course, you know, movie theater pricing is always a little gouged. But oh, like, God. How much is a movie theater alcoholic beverage? I think their cheapest drink was eleven fifty for yeah. for one of their cocktails. I mean, cheapest it looked good. drink was eleven fifty. But it, but then, like, I spent 20 bucks on the ticket because I ordered it online and to be this, in that special theater, and I spent about $30 plus on dinner. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> I was kind of like, you know what? Maybe I don't need a $12 drink. Although, I do kind of regret not ordering a white Russian for the Black Widow movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Next time. But story while I was waiting up at the bar just sort of to see, like, there is a, you know, I'm going to call this dude out, I guess. There was a dude, he was getting like four drinks from him and his wife. Jesus Christ! And like he was, he was like nickeling and diming the the poor bartender there. Like he's like, I don't know, this just had the correct amount of alcohol, this had the right ice, and he was like, "Bro, come on!" He man. was giving her the fifth degree, <sighs> and well, she's to the point where she literally pulled out like the drink mix, like recipe menu to like ex- like fucking break down yeah. what goes into it. And he was still giving her the just like, you Look, sure? It's already bad enough when when you're a bartender. When you're a fucking bartender at a movie theater, I couldn't goddamn imagine. Like, first of all, I'm sure there's not a thousand people surrounding uh, the movie theater bar, you know, like a normal bar, you know, right? So, what, was there a lot of people? I mean, there there was like, including myself, like five people. Uh, See, that's nothing. And there were two bartenders. Oh, oh yeah. Like, two bartenders, five people. Oh, that's Bush League, okay? Yeah. But, and then this... (laughs) <laughs> and then this fucking guy is just gonna be a, a just a dipshit for no reason, man. I'm just like, dude. It's like, really? Is there, is there a correct? Did you watch me pour the fucking booze in there, sir? And Get like, off my and like, bro, dick. You, you you bought four mixed drinks at the movie theater. That's like sixty dollars at this point. Like right? legit. Like he probably spent at least twelve to thirteen dollars per drink, and he had four. God, that's like um, our last excursion to uh, Dave and Buster's. That poor bartender there, like that fucking whole bar was packed, and he was alone for the longest time. And like, I wasn't mad for the wait because, Mm-mm. goddamn, he was by himself, and every square inch of that bar was packed to the gills. And and like, also Dave and Buster, they got some sick ass mixed drinks. I got, oh, dude, they're so good, right? I had like, like I, I wish I could remember. It was like just like. Berry lemon aid like mixed drink with like a sidecar of, of like flavored vodka. One, it was strong as fuck and it was tasty as yeah. fuck. Like Liz and I went there on our anniversary and had a great time. I had never been to a Dave and Buster's before, and their drinks, like I mean, like the drinks I pay for, they're about 10, 11 bucks, but they were big. 
There was a lot of booze in them, and like Pat said, they tasted great. So, and like you're you're getting your money's worth, I would say. Like I feel like if you got to, I feel like you got to take like a goddamn test to be a a bartender at Dave and Buster's. Like you got to be on your shit because every drink I've had there has been delicious. Mm-hmm. And man, but yeah, that poor guy that night. Oh my god, I tipped him so much. Yeah, like I, I like, will say oh. when when I got up to the bar, like there was a there was a lady there helping him. But even then, it was two folks. They were running the whole time to like get folks done because even though they they had stopped selling food, it was like I would say nine o'clock, and there's still that bar, that bar was covered and like Dave and Buster's was packed yeah. that night because we went there to the night before Magic City Con in in Hoover a few weeks ago. Dave and Buster's first time going, it's rocked. It yeah. was so much fun. I, I as a human adult, I had a great time. I still have a shit I need to... I still have... Oh, yeah, I still got fucking points on the card yeah. I need to cash in. I'm pretty sure in. I got some points left. Oh, man. We just need to take, like, a family outing up there just for the just for the hell of it. Hell go yeah. there and then order food first and then fucking... Yeah, get, I still feel bad about the fact that the kitchen was closed. I had no idea that the kitchen closed that late. Yeah, I definitely get there early enough to, to like, order food there. It's but. like, <laughs> you got there in time to order your dinner. Vodka. <laughs> Essentially... <laughs> I, my, my dinner was liquid that night. I mean, I think we got something like at midnight. We got had something yeah, like the hotel right. room. I think we still, still like, I was ready to try some Dave and Buster's food. I just had fucking liquor. Oh, man. <clears throat> Since uh, you essentially went to what sounds like the bougiest goddamn movie theater I've ever heard of, uh, how were the seats? The like, seats were really good. Like, imagine if a D-box seat wasn't gimmicky, but really comfortable. See, I don't know. Like, I've had one D box experience, and it was like when I was I just moved here. I've been here about, uh, I guess, five years now. Yeah. Like creeping up on right at the five year anniversary, actually, of me being in T town or the Alabama area. And um, X Men Apocalypse was out. Oof. Yeah, that movie. And uh, my dad uh, decided that. I mean, granted, you know, he, he fronted the bill. I'll give him that. But he goes, you know what? You've never done a D-Box. I want you to experience D-Box. So I will pay for your ticket to see X-Men Apocalypse in D-Box. And then, like, and they, like, sat in the seats, like, right behind me. Luck, lucky enough, like, the D-Box are assigned seats, essentially. You ha- have to sit in the seat that you pay for. So I'm sitting there, and they're right behind me. And, like, at one point, the seat, like, doesn't move like it's supposed to. Yeah. Like, I made sure, like, I turned it up all the way. I don't know if it was, like, my keys or something I did, like, a movement I made. I don't care what movie theater seat it is. I'm going to move around. Yeah. Like, I'm going to wiggle around. I, I guess I'm just a constantly uncomfortable motherfucker. That's just me. Because I, I roll around in bed, too. That's that's just a thing I do until I finally just, just conk out. Yeah. But, um... Anyway, it, my, my dad had noticed that my chair wasn't moving for the longest time, and then he, like, taps me on the shoulder. He goes, hey, turn your chair up. I was like, it, it is up. He goes, you're not moving. I'm like, oh, shit, you're right. I'm not moving. It, I mean, I feel like the D-Box gimmick would probably work for something like, I don't know, like maybe a Fast and Furious movie or maybe that, that gimmicky-ass Hardcore Henry movie that came out not too long ago, which I'm not going to lie, I still kind of want to see. <laughs> I haven't seen that. 
I feel like I may have missed the train on watching that in D-Box in like an IMAX situation yeah. or something. It, it's the throwback but, cinema, but it's not the movies from like the 50s and 60s. It's just like this away movie from the early 2010s. There's like an old-ass movie from the 60s called Hardcore Henry. I hope it's not porn. But no, it, no it, <laughs> we, we know how like how like the movie theater they will have like oh here's North by Northwest yeah, yeah, here's yeah. like you know, like a classic oh yeah like <laughs> here's Hardcore Henry on the fifteenth come see us <laughs> yeah it, ain't it nostalgic but um but yeah I was just like you know what this seems like a waste of money like I just wanna like it's already expensive enough to go see a fucking movie. Like, I don't want my seat to, like, move around on occasion while I do it. I mean, it's funny how the in both of our entrances, the only time that we saw a movie in D-Box was for, like, a not really good movie. Oh, what was your D-Box experience? Uh, the only D-Box movie I watched was Brick Mansions. The, the fucking uh, Paul Walker movie? Yeah, it's, like, one of Paul Walker's last movies. It's, like, the parkour movie. And I mean, did it at least make sense with the parkour parts? Not really. It just felt like a like. It felt like I was sitting right? on a cell phone that was vibrating the whole you time. See, so it's like, so you know what? D box is just a waste of money. Don't do it. Um, get rid of those and make uh, normal seating, so you can probably fit more people in there. <laughs> but the seats at the Vesavia Hills one, like you know, they were super comfy. You know, you can you can like re- you know raise recline them. seat warmers and shit. You can raise them up. You can recline. Like I was pretty comfy, and, and like I had a belly full of sushi. Like if it, I could have fallen asleep. <laughs> I believe Tanner did fall asleep for Tanner. a bit. <laughs> I, I glanced over and like his ass is sawing logs. I know it. Just um, but but like for, I've passed out in a movie before. I mean, uh, I never have, but I know folks that like well, paid full price for the movie and slept through all of it. Well, I didn't sleep through all of it. There, there. I mean, granted, there have been a, a few occasions where I've been to the movies and like you know, kind of dozed off here or there. But there's like one movie. I was still in high school. It was like uh, the the it was the second Born movie, the Born Supremacy, and I was just snoozing. I can't tell you fuck all about that movie. I'm pretty sure I slept through the whole goddamn thing. And like, was it because the movie just wasn't interesting to you, or you were just dog ass tired? I mean, maybe a little of both. From what I remember, the second one's like not regarded as the best at all. I've only seen the first one multiple times. I still haven't seen the third one. Yeah, I think uh, the second, the first one's the only one I know I've there's, seen. There's a couple of, I don't know, uh, I think I was dragged to a goddamn Harry Potter midnight release one time. Uh, not that I have anything against Harry Potter, it's just I, I would have rather have like seen it like not at midnight Yeah. at a theater that was like an hour away when I had shit to do the next day. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I was really tired on that one too, but yeah. I don't know, like, yeah, movies are movies. Yeah, I, I was, that was one of the like bullshittery topics that I had written down because like initially this was like, have we talked about what this was supposed to be tonight? Uh, yeah, <laughs> a little behind the scenes, this was going to be the lads reboot the Die Hard episode, which we will still do. Yes, it's okay. just a combination of a lot of our crew being out. And, like, having some technical uh, difficulties, we figured it'd just be easier for Cannon and I to just have a bullshit episode and just talk. And also, Cannon and I both came to the table with, like, show notes for, like, stuff to talk about and sort of, like... And, and we got into some of them. Like, I got the wrestling stuff. I got the Toku stuff. So, like, some of my points have been hit. 
and sort of like we just we just had like some show notes to sort of like default to in case we're so we, we felt a little like unsure of like where to, to steer the conversation yeah because I, I like every now and then i'll be at work or you know just out and about you know living life and i'll have like uh, an idea that comes to my head i was like you know that maybe not be it might not be uh, something long enough to dedicate to a whole episode but we can at least talk about it on you know say a banter episode like we're doing right now so I feel like that would be the appropriate time to start throwing those daggers out, I guess. <laughs> and, and, you know, we're like an hour and a half in, more or less. And oh, like, shit. Hell and, yeah. like, this has been a pretty, like, consistent episode. And, of course, like, it, we, there's never been this combo of, like, me and Ken on an episode solo That's together. True. But, of course, you know, like, me and Ken are friends, so, like, obviously we talk and we're roommates, so we're, we're close. But it's, it's always... Something that you learn while doing shows is that you you can may have like this really fun rapport like outside of like a recording session, but then like when you start like when you put mics in front of you and then it's sort of like oh you have to quote perform yeah. and you're not used to it, it can be a little weird. But I think this has gone off pretty well because like we're both pretty used to the, the recording game at this point. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say like. um you know, not to, you know, pat ourselves on the back. And we're like, you know, veterans of the trade, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> we're already signed to Spotify. No, that's not true. <laughs> if we got a Spotify deal. Man, man. Where's that Joe fucking Rogan money at? God damn. God, that'd be some shit. If, 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 like, if ever AYCH were to get like primo professional podcast money or sponsorship, that'd be insane because our little dog and pony show <laughs> getting like <laughs> in the big leagues but it, you know but on that same track it is sort of funny to think that like i'm just continually surprised like at the longevity of the show because like you know it's you know you can look at the numbers and figures for it that you know like a portion of all podcasts barely have 10 episodes to them and so, like, any, it's a, anything past that is kind of just like, oh, wow, you sort of broken past this initial barrier. And, you know, like, we said it several times. We'll probably say it several times more. Is that, like, here we are, 270-plus episodes total on just AYCH. Never mind, you know, like, our spinoff show and future shows. It's just Ooh. funny that you know here we are just sort of bullshitting and, and you know we're still we're still at it you know we just had our four year anniversary. Uh, go check out that episode again. Well, thank you. <laughs> and uh, we couldn't have done it without the, the listeners and of course uh, Cannon and all of our friends who who support us and like who contribute to the show and and like it's just a continual source of just like holy shit and just sort of the 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 huge breed like just sort of like kind of like injection to the heart that we've gotten recently in terms of like our listenership is kind of like, fuck, where does this come from? You know, knock on wood, but like, it's been really sort of like gratifying to have like this summer be very, like very successful for us. Well, it's like from, from everything you've told me uh, off the pod that it, it just seems like it's just going up and that's fucking awesome and i'm i'm happy as shit for you that's great I and mean, i and i want to and know what fuck it i'm gonna take this opportunity i've always wanted to be like whether it be my own show or a part of a podcast in some form or fashion and you guys gave me my first uh 
let me dip my toes in the water for the first time, and I'm still very appreciative of that, and I still have fun every time I'm behind this mic with y'all. So, again, thank you very much. And you're very welcome. We were very glad to have you, and, like, you know, for this show, for Cage of Greatness, and any, and, like, whatever future things that we do, like, you know, I would love for Cannon to have his own show, because I feel like... That would be a great time. Of course, like, <laughs> being able to manage that. No, no, that's the thing. That's something else I got to fucking give you fucking uh, props on. It's like, like, you, you've shown me, like, endless, like, Google Docs of, like, schedules of, like, episodes that are coming up in the future and whatnot. And it's like, it's not, I mean, there there's, like, legit fucking, like, work and time and energy. And, like, they have to edit. Like, I still feel bad. I, I do want to come down here and learn how to fucking edit. It's just my lazy fucking punk ass hasn't done it yet because, you know, working in a hot kitchen really kind of puts it out of you. (laughs) No, there's no excuses. Like, I do actually really enjoy editing stuff, and I would really like to get back into the swing of doing that one day. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely show you one day. I mean, like, just sort of getting, I guess, on the subject, like, behind the scenes, like, I mean, I, I... have a big calendar in my room where I had planned out, you know, not, not just like not me personally planning, but plan like our schedule for the main show, AYC. It's a schedule for Cajun greatness. And then like just when the shows come out, when they were recording the, you know, the future episodes. So and, that's like, do you and uh, Captain Shimmy work on that schedule together? Uh, Cajun greatness. One for Cajun least? greatness. Yeah. Me and Justin, we both sort of work on that schedule together. Because, like, you know, Justin's, like, the lead, but I'm, like, the, essentially the co-captain of that. Yeah. Because, like, you know, I'm more or less in the tip of the like, he told pyramid. me that, like, y'all sit down and work that out. And, again, kudos the hell and back for y'all. Because I know, like, sometimes, you know, shit, shit changes, and we'll we'll wiggle some, um, like, uh, changes here and there with that schedule. And I mean, like, literally, I'm, like, right now I'm trying to finagle, like, the end of the month because we have a big, fun episode that we've been wanting to do for a while that we were going to record on the last Saturday of the month. But, like, like I have some work stuff that I'm trying to, like, reconcile. So I don't know if we'll be able to do that that weekend. Sort of just, like, learning to adjust on the fly and, and like, plan yeah. well in advance is just a, it's a skill I've developed with the yeah. show. I was about to say, because all of us have fucking day jobs, too. Like, you know, like. we're not getting paid. Like, we've been doing this for four years for free on our own dime. And, you know, and, like, it's more or less a job that we don't get paid to do, but we do it because we enjoy it that much. Yeah, it, it's fun. Like, I, I, I love this shit. Like I said, like, I had my own. I mean, I still have a YouTube channel. It was, I guess, uh, I burnt myself out on that because uh, I'm going to chalk that one up to the fact that, I was literally doing everything on my phone. Mm-hmm. I was shooting the video. I paid like ten, I think it was like ten or fifteen dollars for some like pretty good video editing software uh, for a mobile device, and I was cutting all my shit together that way. But at the same time, I was also doing it all on my phone, and I would have much preferred to have like a computer in my face to do all that. So it was just getting very tedious at times to like, I was like literally getting like, like styluses to like move on the screen to like get like like pinpoint accuracy on my cuts and whatnot. And, um, but yeah, I'd probably still be doing it if I had, uh, I guess, quote unquote, the right gear. 
because I had access to a computer, but the computer in question was was uh, pretty shitty and couldn't handle like video editing software. So I was just editing the shit on my phone and then uploading it to YouTube through my phone and then going back and <clears throat> cutting thumbnails and editing my description and titles and shit and hashtags and whatnot on a computer after the fact. No, like, it's, it's a very labor-intensive process if you're being, like, this sort of, quote, content creator and it's all, like, in a single device. Like, I'm very grateful that, you know, our friend Cody, former um, uh, co-host, they gave us, like, a pretty much a state-of-the-art computer with a monitor so, like, for us to do our recording on, and, you know, all all of our gear is here. Because like, I was editing the show for a while on my laptop, and it would crash yeah. fairly often. So, like, I would lose progress. So, like, be able to edit the show without fear of the computer conking out is a huge blessing. And having Jonathan, we tag in and tag out with editing. So, it's a, it's a very intensive process to edit, you know. And, like... Yeah. And, like, audio editing is one thing. Video editing is a whole other animal. And for, like, for me and Jonathan to sort of carry that to, together, it's been a huge, huge, like, like blessing. Because, like, do, doing it on my own, it was it was a grind. It was really, really wearing me thin on top of all my other duties. So, yeah. like, for him and I to, like, because Jonathan's essentially my co-captain for AYCH. Yeah. Because, like, he and I, we really talked the most about what to do. And not to say that Colt Wenzel aren't included. just, like, we live together. So, obviously, yeah. they're the most person and yeah. in most contact with about it's it. It's like, this is essentially the headquarters of the show anyway. I so. mean, it, it is. I mean... For all shows. Well, most of the shows at this point. <laughs> all the shows on the network. And then, like, everything involved with these AYCAs, it's, it comes out of the art house. You know, mm-hmm. where all of the things that we do is, is born here. Yeah. I mean, even back at the like at our old apartment, like our place was always like where everybody came to have a party. Everybody ever came to hang out. We were just like the the center of the galaxy when it comes to like social events and like art events, and like even more so now that like like our sort of activities have grown ever more since then. Yeah, it's like everything just keeps growing, getting bigger, better, stronger, faster. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Yeah, or whatever fucking Kanye said in that song, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Colt is hot right now. (laughs) No, I know that was like um, uh, Daft Punk, but then like Kanye did. I hate, I I say that as as someone who just, I don't like Kanye. That's just me. But, you know, that's a whole other argument on a show that it's not this one. Man. <laughs> Wait, why is Cole hot right now? <laughs> because, like you said, that was Kanye, but that was like you didn't say Daft Punk. Oh, yeah. Like, like, I, I, I knew it was Daft Punk, but like, I, I was just a bit. Uh, it's like retroactively uh, a bit because I don't like Kanye West. So it doesn't make sense in hindsight. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll about do us for today's episode. It's been great shooting the shit with Cannon. You know, straight shooting. Straight can- shooting. With Canon Pew Pew, but no TM, because that's a Cajun Greatness bit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> pew Pew, TM, TM, TM. 
but it's been a great time. I really enjoyed, you know, talking with Ken. Of course, Ken's one of my best friends. He's my roommate, and, like, I love him to death. So, like, to <laughs> be able to have, like, a one-on-one talk with Ken here on the show, like, officially, it's been a lot of fun. We hope you enjoy just, like, this new perspective, this new lineup of hosts. AYCH is always doing something different, and it's sort of like yeah. to have, you know, a moment episode with two people you don't you don't get to see one-on-one i think it'll be interesting speaking to future projects future events one-on-one conversations may be coming uh more in the future in a different avenue yes you are yes you're my roommate you're one of my best friends i love you to death and i have had a great time tonight like this has been really fun it's been a lot of fun. It's been like really easy conversation, and uh, we, we had a great time. And we hope you have, too. Yeah. We so, hope you've enjoyed every bit of our uh, shenanigans tonight. So uh, thank you all so much for listening today. You can follow us wherever podcasts are found. That's SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, and any RSS. We catch you out there. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on all this platform that helps us out, keeps us visible, puts it in front of new listeners, and we always appreciate you when you do it. It's a big blessing to us, and just uh, we we just love and appreciate you when you do it. Find us on our socials, and that's Twitter and Instagram at AYCH Podcast, Letterboxd and Facebook, and all you can hear. Twitch at twitch.tv slash all you can hear, and YouTube as well, which is also at all you can hear. Follow us on our sister show, Cajun Greatness, on all those platforms where we Talk about Nicolas Cage movies that's hosted by Justin, a.k.a. Captain Shimmy, and your pals, Cannon, Patrick, and Jonathan, and uh, all this sort of the other bullshit that we get into over there. It's a great time. We hope you check that out. And lastly, you can follow me, Patrick, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at John Lost His Name. My art on Facebook at John Lost His Name Art. And I am that Cannon Guy. You can find me at that Cannon Guy at Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, and also, like Pat said, on the Cajun Greatness Podcast. All right, thank you so much for listening today. We'll be talking to you all very, very soon. Have a good day. Goodbye. Goodbye.